Yeah, yeah. You know, let, let it sit until we're done. That way it disperses in the toilet water. <laughs> Easier to flush. I swore a lot in front of my eight-year-old. Oh, <laughs> I'm so proud of that moment. Uh, but jumped on Craigslist, got myself a bitchin' table saw. Did you say that in front of your kid, too? Shit, <laughs> 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 It only weighed like 700 pounds. Um, so that turned out to be a pretty good thing. So, um, I don't know. Works good. That's good. Hanging out in a comic book shop after hours. Where the fun begins. You know, this is where all the parties happen. Ever? Yeah, right? <laughs> What about you, Kelsey? What you been up to this week? Uh, same, same old, same old work, dance, TV. Um, season three of Glow. Oh, I know. <laughs> so we're not even, you know, sponsored by them, but they're so good. Hey, I'll talk yo, about it. That first episode. I the just, oh. just finished Orange the New Black. The uh, uh, seventh uh, season. The season. Every time I get ready to watch that, something else comes on. Like, uh, <laughs> comes out like Woo, Woo Assassins. I just started that. That's one. Pretty good. Oh yeah, it's pretty chill. You know, okay. you like kung fu. Like, I do. <laughs> kung fu, Avatar, Last Anna Bear, There's always elemental stuff. Okay. Action. It's it's legit. All right. I don't watch any of that, but I'm catching up on Boston Legal. Okay. <laughs> okay. You, you, yeah. you getting into the West Wing too? Just to oh, you know. I'm gonna bring it in though. Look out for the angle. You ready? William Shatner, Renee Abergewalt, you know him, <laughs> the, the clay guy from Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah. Okay. Court, yeah. Right, we got all oh. kinds of folks on this. <laughs> oh. uh, David, uh, uh, we got uh, James Spader. James Spader's uh, always oh, good. Uh, well, let's get into it, guys. Uh, welcome to Escaping, the best podcast in Colorado Springs. Yes, indeed. We are recording at Escape Velocity Comics. Oh, it's actually downtown, over off Bijou Street. Um, just for our asses, just know that even though we are recording here, our views and uh, our opinions, you know. Are, are not reflective necessarily on the, the building or the people surrounding or the owner or the company or anyone but ourselves. We're just a bunch of loud assholes. Yes. <laughs> but we have opinions and we want them to be heard. Uh, on today's episode, we are jumping back in. It is the Powers of Ten episode, Waking Nightmare. Uh, today we've got, as always, to my right, Geo. He's our silent watcher. Hello, hello. And across from me, we've got Kelsey. Yes, sir. Yours truly. And uh, who's that guy over there? Uh, this is TJ. How you doing? Longtime fan, longtime listener, first time uh, guest appearance. <laughs> he's he's been he's been listening since the start, and you know those letters they keep coming in, and he's just like, please, please, can I come on? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> You're probably going to see a lot of him around here from the few, from the time uh, being going forward because uh, he knows his stuff, and uh, if this proves to be successful, we may have him back. If it doesn't, you'll never hear from him again. Turn this little tree into a fantastic foursome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So if you like me, uh, go ahead and dial 1-800-G-O-T-X-M-E-N. If you'd, like to see, if you'd like to see Jason Todd be killed, dial 1-800-The-Right-Robin-Died. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump in. Uh, Powers of Ten, this is the follow-up to House of X in spirit and in actuality. It's not the second in the House of X uh, series, but in a way it really is. It, I think it openly says that. As a matter of fact, two stories that are one, right? Exactly, yes. exactly. 
This is pretty creative. Begs the question: Why you have two series? Because um, you're Jonathan Hickman, and one is not enough. When they give you a limited number, you could go, "Cool, I'm going to do two of those, and I'm going to make it count." He's been stretching out for a whole year. Let me just double it up. Well, I have one one patty. We have a double cheeseburger. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, we we saw the same thing happen with Avengers and New Avengers yes. leading up to Infinity and after that Secret Wars. Yes. The story was so big that Hickman said, "All right, I'm plugging another one, and uh, you guys want my shit, right?" Yeah. And he did the same thing with Fantastic Four and the Future Foundation. Exactly. Well. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just wondering because I don't I don't think you could just strictly read House of X and oh. get the story. Oh, yeah, we'll see when we get there. But. Right, but there's so many details and nuances that tie in. That like, like it says, it changes everything you just read in the previous issue. Yes. Yeah. So, TJ, what's your history with the X Men? All right, so I uh, I started collecting X Men back when I was in middle school, and boy, I don't know. So I was a you know, middle school kid, not much money, um, but would collect my daily you know whole file for a while. Then I uh, let's see, 1997, I took a what a 20 year break to go and join the army. And then came back to it. Okay. But each time, uh, love the X-Men. Um, personally, of course, um, so actually more than any other uh, group for, well, for one reason. You didn't ask, but here it is. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. And, and my reason is, is X-Men and mutants in general, any one of us could be one of them. You just don't know. He says no. it, and his eye twitched. I don't know if you caught that, <laughs> but his true. eye twitched as he said it. And uh, I mean, maybe persuasion is his power. That's how he got on the show. Wow. There it is. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But you know, Every reality other, must have one. With other teams, just like you know, the Avengers. I don't think I'm actually going to beat Captain America. Sure. Yeah, there's a process they had to go through. It's not That's a big shield to right. carry. Exactly. <laughs> you, you could probably break into Chris Evans' house, though. Okay. <laughs> More than likely. I, can, I can't be Thor. I haven't been around for 5,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that. We can't know that. You don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. So that's, that's why I love them. I, I grew up with them. I think they helped everybody here, probably. You know, if you're a right. weirdo as a yes. kid and you don't really fit in all that well. Yes. I could be different, but I could also be Yes. Right. That's actually a really good way of looking at it. Uh, Kelsey and I, we've got a pretty big history in the X-Men as well. Something we talked about last episode, you know, what drew us to them? What, uh, you know, what was our grounds for getting into this comic particularly? A lot of folks, they either go DC or Marvel in their camps. But um, I grew up Marvel and X-Men was always just one of my favorites. But let's get into the issue today. Uh, this is Powers of Ten number one by Jonathan Hickman again. And uh, wow, guys. What a crazy issue. Yes. <laughs> Let's start with that first page. Those are four different characters, two of whom are the same, and a fourth who might possibly be the same as well. Okay, so yes. we can start right away by saying that it's a logarithmic scale, right? Yes. It's X1, X10, X100, X1000, right? Yes. Which X23, Weapon X, X-Factor. Right. We haven't seen how that fits in yet. No, not at all. That, that would be about, what, a centimeter and a half down that page? Oh, oh yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it's in the white uh, in between. It's, it's, it's it's so much. <laughs> um, Potentially white hot room? No, yes. not at all. <laughs> See, now you brought the Phoenix to it. I don't even want to start oh. thinking about that. That's probably the answer. Yeah. Phoenix. more to um, but there's symmetry yes. in the art, obviously. I think it's what you're supposed to look at that. You're supposed to go, right. oh, that's Charles Xavier. That must obviously be Charles Xavier. Right. That That's Nimrod. I think. 
Percy Charles Xavier. Exactly. Yeah. And then the last guy, well, that's obviously Charles That's totally Blue yeah, Charles yeah, Xavier. Blue Charles, like, he went and saw all those Avatar sequels that James Cameron put out, <laughs> and he just loved them so damn much. The same way, like, Gotham City always needs a Batman, the Justice League always needs a Batman, right. the Hidden World always needs a Professor X. So somehow, some way, shape, or form, this has to be, they're always being that... Maybe not necessarily the same Charles, but a Charles. A Charles, right. In some capacity in oh. this world, rather than man machine. Some kind of custodian? Or Absolutely. Yes. Or well, legacy or the... That's interesting. Yeah, the X. Like, the, X yeah, the X. There's always, always the X. X. Now, something we touched in a little bit last episode is that Charles could potentially be an immortal. Because he can transfer his consciousness into other beings. Well, that, that was my eye roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we heard it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, after except watching, for apparently metal from the Young Avengers, because he died in Avengers Academy and he never came yes, back. That's true too. But also, like watching <laughs> a lot of Black Mirror and seeing just how the human brain can be mapped and put into technology. He right. has a cerebral helmet. We have Nimrod. It's not that far out of the realm that he is downloading his consciousness into different things, or somebody's doing Absolutely. it for him. Um, Geo, do you think you can take a look at the what is it, the Krakoa language, and see if on the, the side of the blue guy, does that say anything? You know what? I never even thought about that. Uh, you know, that's something to look into. So while Geo's doing that, we've got the first one, Charles Xavier, and that is X Men Year Ten or Year One. That is the dream. In the second one, it's what we appear to know as the Man Called X, and that is Year Ten. That is the world. Then we've got Nimrod in Year One Hundred. That is the war. And then we've got an unknown character, the blue guy, who might just be Charles Xavier. That is Year 1000 Ascension. So this might all be a long game plan to get them to that Ascension point, even though the man called X in the last issue, it seems like his plan is kicking off and, you know, probably going to be uh, fulfilled in in a short period of time. But uh, I don't know. Well, so we can, can we address, like, I think from the previous issue... Anyway, uh, but ah, it's all connected. Um, <laughs> it's sort of implied that all of X history so far is in the first ten years. Right, yes. right. Which I don't think it necessarily has to be. I think that it's a logarithmic scale. You don't remember when the '60s and the '80s happened in the same, yeah. de- same decade? Marvel yeah. time. Yeah, about, about <laughs> the same hour and a half. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Almost worse than Dragon Ball Z. Weirdest Thanksgiving <laughs> ever. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. <laughs> Thunderbird was not. So happy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Not because he's dead, but... But because of the appropriation, of course. Um, so we've got those. Uh, going forward, we've, we, we've got year one. We've got a young Charles Xavier. He's happy. He's full of life. He's got a spring in his step, and he's, he's found his place in the dream world that he oh, wants. Hopes and dreams. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and manipulation. He, th- th- those are his best oh, yeah. laid plans. And this is, like, right after he announces to the world that he's a mutant. Exactly. So he has that air of freedom to him, too, like... Right, and they, they, they go into that more in uh, in House of uh, X number two, which we'll probably talk about a little bit at the end, seeing as how that is out, and uh, it wasn't necessarily going to be covered in this episode, but there's just so much there, folks. There it is. <laughs> 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 Once you think you got to figure out. So we've got some very simple things happening in the first uh, year one. Charles is at a fair, he's having a good time, and he runs into... Moira McTaggart. Moira McTaggart, is yeah. That, is that abundantly obvious to everybody? No, because she has a Kitty Pride look about her. Yeah, I didn't know who it was. You know, I, well, and I'll tell you who it looked like to me to begin with. It looked like you, Daniel. You know, <laughs> I've been told that when men fall in love, my face is the first and last thing they see. So. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go to sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> don't worry, your time is coming. I uh, So, 
after, of course, studying and perusing every issue and every curve and shade of color. Because you have to with these. Um, yes. I, if you recall the character Silabelle, mm-hmm. the first one, it, she looks to certainly similar to Moira McTaggart. That's interesting. I never caught that. Mm. And I, I went over today just most of the day going over yeah. this one <laughs> issue again just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Like, this little midget guy, midget is not the right term, this little person right here at the fair, he's got red hair. Is he, you know... Don't do the... How come this little girl only has one balloon? Right. What does it signify? It's what it's it's I think it's the mutant parrot. <laughs> so, True. you know, he's there, he runs into Moira, uh, and he, he, she's like, you seem happy. He's like, oh yeah, I just had a dream of the world and my place in it. And what's crazy is her response is... It's not a dream if it's real. Yeah, and she calls him by name. So that throws him off because he's a telepath. He's used to knowing everything, being the smartest guy in the room, and at this point, he is caught unawares. So, what does he do? He reads her mind. He reads her mind. With her, with her consent, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, with Charles Xavier, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's something he doesn't always do. No, Sometimes he, he just probes. Yeah, well, like, I'm going to shut this down. Well, he said he's all full of hopes and dreams, right? Exactly. And, and so presumably, if somebody walked up and said, hey... About that dream, yo, that's pretty good. Yeah. Right? He'd be like, yeah, so I was just saying. <laughs> but instead, instead she goes, yeah, what if it's real? And he goes, who the hell are you? Exactly. Doing? What the hell are you doing here? And so he challenges She him. says, look in my mind, Charles. And he does. And we're left there with his face of just, oh. Well, and that's a, that iconic picture. The, the right. And, and apparently it's, this is the most important page and moment in X-Men history. One of the things right before that happens is uh, Moira's telling him about the fair and the fortune teller, and we see three distinct images. You know, one that looks like uh, the Red Priest, who we were not given a name to just yet, another one given to Rasputin, and then the tower, that's Nimrod's tower later on in the uh, issue. Everyone's got assumptions about those right away. Right, of course you have to. And, you know, she she describes them, and it seems like, oh, yeah, the fortune teller, he has crazy cards. Why wouldn't he, you know? (laughs) But this is something more than that. Uh, so from there, we jump forward 10 years to the world. Well, I mean, first off, we take a look at those images. One of them is called Rasputin. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who's, who's read anything like Days of Future Past or you know, extended versions and whatnot, I, I immediately thought that it was Kitty and Peter's daughter. Right, right. But one of them are de- definitely related to them through the blood. She's stream. even phasing in the card, exactly. which is crazy. But she's got a couple extra features that are, that are yes. you know, at least curious or worrisome. Right, right. Um, but the point is, it looks like she's obviously a mix after that. So yeah, but Rasputin still exactly. You know that that, that has to be their kid. Um, but you know, Jonathan Hickman he leads us to water and then tells us it wasn't water at all. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the devil. Right. The, well, obviously, Nightcrawler. Exactly. Well, Nightcrawler related is red, just like Azazel, his father. Right. So he's throwing all these images at us, and we're supposed to just assume we know what it is. Yes. We don't. Uh, so let's jump forward to year ten. That's the world. That's where House of X was uh, number one was taking place. We see Mystique and Toad arrive. And one of the crazy things there is uh, she tells Toad to go play. Like, they belong there. Like, they've yeah. been there, you know? Yeah. I, Make sure you take your shoes off first. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know where that time has been. Um, but there are children in the panel. <laughs> there children on this podcast. Um, but the, uh, we're talking about, you know, when, the, how much time the entire X universe takes place in. Right. X10 is not, if it's logarithmic, it's not 10 years later. Sure, I guess it's just year 10. That makes sense, okay. um, Now, I don't know exactly what that means, math, because what's 
that means we need to define what X one is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Who decided this is the time? This is the point when time starts. Well, Jonathan Hickman did. Yeah. That's how it's That's going to be the answer to a lot of Yeah. So Mystique tells Toad to go play. She shows up. She meets up with Magneto and uh, Charles Xavier. And what happens there, Kels? Um, She gives the drive to Magneto. Then, yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah. She gives him. But before she does, she says, I need more. Like, we lost Sabretooth. Yes. She was against him killing the guards, which is totally opposite of Mystique. Yes. Unless there's a limited number of mutants. Ooh. I, sorry, I brought that in. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, bring it. See, when you whisper <laughs> shit like that, though, <laughs> our, our four fans out there get a little crazy. <laughs> so she, she says, you know, I, uh, I have this, but I'm going to need more. Sabretooth was caught, which was the altercation we saw in House of X number one. Now, Magneto, he tells her he's been infected with this idea of hope. He is... He believes in it. He he's like, am I a fool to believe it? You know that word is a good choice. Infected. Exactly. We see <laughs> the plants that, all yes. over. Who put that thought inside his head? It's not like he's surrounded by a bunch of telepaths who have found ways around his helmet before. Exactly. And which he's not wearing at this in this current panel. <laughs> like he might have forgot to put it on. <laughs> <laughs> or Krakoa couldn't grow. Hey Eric, you know <laughs> you look really good today. Your hair—that's is that a new product? It's pretty good. It's called hope. Oh, yeah. You know what? You wouldn't want to muss that up with your helmet, now would you? Now would you, Eric? You're right. <laughs> can, can we draw any sort of parallels to the other times that Magneto thought that the dream, the extreme would work? There are plenty of times. Uh, even even when he's we, we've hit the redemption point with him where he comes back and Charles is gone. Or there's another faction of the X-Men who Which are running around. Charles has to go into space. Right. He, he's he's, he's watch the kids. dead. <laughs> Uh, but did, what the uniform was Magneto wearing? Um, that's the post-schism revolutionary with Cyclops. All that's white. right. When he was, uh, it was the Uncanny X Men run. Yes, and uh, I, I want to say Bendis was the writer, but I know that. Uh, oh Bac- yeah, that definitely was Bendis. It was when Bendis and Bacala. Yeah, when they yeah. were. Um, when it was um, running out of the Weapon X facility. That's right. Yeah. Which we kind of touched on before, how Wolverine started the Jean Grey school, kind of as a slap in the face to Scott. And then Scott's like, well, watch this, you animal. And uh, one place he's never going to go. So he believes he's right. Anytime he's dressed like this, he believes he is. He's, he's right there at the front lines fighting for mutant rights in the best way he can. Maybe not by killing people, but in a new way. Yes, and just like the time he joined, Sab- uh, not Sabretooth, but Cyclops on the first Utopia was due to him seeing like the way Cyclops was moving and acting was an embarrassment of mutant kind. Right. And that he needed to sit back and let Cyclops do his thing after he brought back Kitty Pryor from space mm-hmm. in the giant bullets to show that, yeah. yo, I'm here to listen, I'm not here to rule. Yeah. I'm just gonna follow suit. Okay, but if I just say the word hope, all right, everyone's generally got a positive connotation, right? Yeah, Cable's daughter. Hope, that's right. Kind of hot. Even though she's she is a teenager, there, TJ. This is a family show. I ain't gonna Venus Force. Yeah. But so, hope, hope is good. Let's have let's have hope, right? That's not exactly what Magneto's talking about. No, he's talking about hope for mutants. Yes, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I also happen to be human, as far as you know. And his eye keeps twitching, and I just don't know how we stop that. <laughs> and so I've been infected with hope. So it's not exactly the, the generally agreed upon positive image. Like the A hope. definition of hope. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, instead, it's I'm infected with hope for us. 
well, even in House of X number one, at the end, we see him. He's the, like, he's, we're the new gods. And they're like, you know what you sound like. Of course he does. But he's been wanting to assume that role for a long exactly. time. He's, he's always, almost always been in this, this passionate, uh, almost fascist role. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's the leader, not exactly in this case, but in this particular exchange with uh, with Mystique, he is. And I have hope for us. My dream will finally be achieved. That's the voice I was going to use, by the way. <laughs> but the, so it, I, I know we're nothing more, you know, Austrian since he's from there. Like Zephyr <laughs> China is bright. <laughs> no, not 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 your favorite Magneto. <laughs> Which we see time and time again. But, so Mystique snatches the, the drive back. Exactly. Not, actually just doesn't give it to him, right? Snatches away from him. And then... Well, at that point, she says she needs more. And Charles says to her, is helping your fellow mutant not reward enough for Raven Darkhold? Mm. No. Uh, not. No, it's not. <laughs> she has betrayed her people time and time again. Right. So he's like, well, that's fair. We need more from you. Because, of course, it, with these kinds of agreements, it's never cut and dry. It's never, this is my, you know, one more and I'm out and I'm retiring. There's always another job. It's national treasure. There's always another clue. Exactly. And, and so we already know at this point that the, the three gifts to humanity are already mm-hmm. out there. Or at least they're already developed. Of course. So that's not what's on the drive. No. The drive is stolen from Damage Patrol. Exactly. Who's got all kinds of history. But we see in, we see in uh, what is it, House of X, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're building the... The, uh, Space uh, asteroid M, right? Well, it's or what is it? Orcus. Orcus. Orcus is up there, and it looks like they've got a maker's mold head. Okay. <laughs> I think we're gonna be past ma- maker. <laughs> 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 we're, we're, a wrong book. You know, you bring in your opinions to these podcasts. <laughs> you bring on a guest, and uh, everyone just shits on you. Yeah, I think you can speak your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like this. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, exactly what's going on? Yeah. Since when does Charlie Xavier have to He never did. Which that's is... a common misconception I see so many times, especially with one meme that's forever flowing around. Uh, if Charles can move things with his mind, why can't he move his legs? He can't move things with his mind. He read minds. Or, two different things. Or he's <laughs> lazy and being funded by the government, so why would he get off of his fat, bald ass <laughs> and move around when someone can push that gold-plated wheelchair around? He's... About the issues here. <laughs> yeah, you know... <laughs> So, so Charles says, Charles, you know, he, he's like, well, we need more from you. And she hits him right back with, is helping your fellow mutant not reward enough for the great Charles Xavier? What does he, what does he respond with? <laughs> like, no, no. Everyone owes something. Is that- for this new world to happen, everyone owes something. So I, I just want to make a note of these two panels here, okay, where he's using telekinesis. Unless Magneto's doing it for him. Or that. Why wouldn't Magneto do that instead of just taking it from his own? He's mind? always trying to show off his powers. It's like, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Can you um, hand me the remote? Krakoa doing it? Damn, we don't know the full length of Krakoa's powers yeah. just yet. So, uh, or, or the man called X. Again, he has taken over Phantom X's body. Yes. There were powers in that body that we don't know the full capability of. That was during okay. the Astonishing X-Men run, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Didn't track We'll come back to it. Yeah, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. So from there, we jump forward to year 100. And from there, we start off with a mutant dying. Now, now this guy looks like Elixir to me. But these are new mutants. This is year 100. These are not the same mutants, which we'll see later that uh, Mr. Sinister worked with the X-Men to breed these mutants. 
Now, does that sound familiar at all from the beginning of House of X? It sounds like virtually yes. every, <laughs> every Days of Future Past problem. Right. Yes. Yeah. You start with you know perfecting the mutants, and then you turn to hounds. Now, hounds are a constant in the mutants' uh, future. future. They turn them against each other, and it, it's almost you know like they're they're a big part of why these utopias and paradises don't seem to work out. Fight mutants. <laughs> Fight mutants with mutants. Yeah. Oh no, you were laughing. What you got there? <laughs> the mutants are the reason all these mutant things don't work out. Like, okay. <laughs> if it wasn't raining, we wouldn't be wet out here in the rain. That's true. For all these damn comic books, so we wouldn't have to turn these pages. I know. You know, it's it, we're not there yet. Uh, you know, <laughs> with our abilities, no. I, I speak for everyone but you. Again, the twitchy eye is giving you away. So, um, this mutant is dying, and he recites, There was a dream. Our dreams are the same. While you slept, the world changed. So is that a... So is that... Now I'm thinking about it, Is that programming as well? Yes, like, they all have the same dream, so they all live for the same hope. Uh, so that would keep them going. Right, right. Unless it's like some type of holy scripture that they all recite to yes. each other. Kind of like when we get to... Oh no, just go for it. Alright, like Cardinal, he believes in like sanctity and things of that nature, very mm-hmm. religious in tone, so maybe that someday read to each other, give each other hope to keep the dream um, alive. That makes sense. It, and they even say it's a what, what it's it's oh, a like, mnemonic uh trigger when they start to flatline. So I was gonna say it's both. So it it is programming. That particular statement at that time is programming, but it really is part of like the Ten Commandments. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah, just thou shalt. Yeah. Thou shalt not hoard any goats, for they are smelly. That's the uh, unknown uh, commandment. But where you might study the Bible, the key phrase could be theologians. Okay. Yeah. Out, and that's what's going to wipe your mind. And Something that started beautiful and then was uh, corrupted or twisted in a way as it kept going on. It becomes, uh, well, you know, zealous in the people. It's probably just not something you're going to hear every day, so it's not going to wipe your mind as you're going to settle in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, man, I had this dream last night, and I mean, I think we're all dreaming the same dream, man. And you know, while I was sleeping, the world changed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I think the point, though, is if they're constantly you know, reading the scriptures according to Charles all the time, the point is the scriptures according to Charles exist. Exactly. And so there's a cult. There's probably call themselves X-Men or Ascani Sun or something like that mm-hmm. that keep the dream alive even in this and you know whether they're X-Men X-Force Juggalos whatever we've got here <laughs> yeah. these guys they're being hunted again even though we've we've seen this beautiful start yes. this is where the dream comes crashing down again robots robots and humans it's the mutant or the man machine war on mutants it's true and uh oh it's happening I, you, 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 you know <laughs> Right, you think the Matrix was a bunch of mutants in the Matrix and the rest was man-machine keeping them in their place? Yes. So, just like in the Matrix, the robots keep the mutants alive so they can use their various abilities to keep the robots advancing. You know, you you get one good cipher or Duglock in there, you know, and uh, that that runs it. I think we got one, or seven-eighths of one, or something like that. Yeah. Did you see this face here? Mm Mm-hmm. And so, for the podcast, the audio format here, I'm pointing at something. (laughs) It's very effective. So, there at the top of the page, that's one of the hunters, right? Yes. Doesn't that look like a... Original Hellion, Hellfire Club. I was yeah. going to say, that's yeah. a Hellfire mask if I ever saw one. Yes. But I, don't th- I don't think it's meant that way, though. We don't know. Hickman Hickman doesn't get rid of history when he starts yeah. his new books. He dives into it and says, 
You know that obscure thing? Yeah, everything has a reference point. It's all connected. Yeah. So they're being hunted again, and uh, Silo Bell is one of the mutants who's surrounded. She is uh, stated as a black brain telepath, a natural Judas to the other hounds and Nimrod. So these are the kind that when they were bred in the Salken kennels, they um, they were born with a deficiency. And the black brain almost makes me think of the uh, black Krakoa seed, the, yeah, the yeah. nowhere seed. It's, it's yeah. where something else is happening that you can't really contain or regulate. And they, well, they, they turn to mutant kind over their masters. So i got to just put a pin in Jump in, man. All right. And that is that whoever the telepaths are that are supposed to be reading the minds cannot read. Or see the black brain. Exactly. It's like in the area of Kutukoa that's blacked out as well. They're tumors. And, yeah. And just like, we'll come back to that at the end. No, no, get into it. <laughs> we'll jump back. No, just like in. Oh, he's pointing out the thing we might talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, this was another intel mission. As Silo Bell is being interrogated by these sentinels who are just terrifying, and these potentially, they, they, I mean, they look like Hellfire, you know. Uh, goons. So she says she came alone, which is not true. We see her friends watching from the rubble. Uh, those friends are Rasputin and Cardinal. Yes. Now, we're not meant to know anything about these two just quite yet. Is his name Cardinal, or does she just keep referring to him as Cardinal? Well, Priest and Cardinal. Well, Let's call him Jeff. Jeff. Okay. So Rasputin like, and Jeff are there just, you know, watching as their friend is being tortured. Yes. Uh, what, what, what's going on there, TJ? Okay, so the friend is, is being tortured, trying to be red, mm-hmm. right? and we know that's not. And Cardinal happen. is red. Play on words. <laughs> Someone emailed Jonathan. It's all connected. No, so um, so she's being red and she's being tortured. It's, it, even though she can't be red, it's painful nonetheless. And so we got Cardinal and Rasputin off the side. Right, of right. And so there's there's the tension between them. Cardinal, for reasons <laughs> I think we find out here shortly, um, is predisposed to not. Not be violent. So, right. not exactly a pacifist. Bred evolved, that way. But, yeah, so, pre, so genetically predisposed, right? But, of course, Rasputin, who is a mix of all kinds of folks. And just before we get right. to the answer at the end, anybody want to take a guess who's, who she's a mix of? I mean, I'm, I know, because again, I spent all day going over it, but I, I could do it as if I didn't know. Okay. Um, off the top, Colossus. Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and definitely Peter Petrelli with all those powers going on at once. But we're talking season one, Peter Petrelli. Oh, yeah. Like none of, Petrelli. none of this heroes reborn bullshit oh, where man. he's dead. That's, that's a whole um, other so Colossus with the metal arm. Right? Magic. Um, they got well. You say magic, and we said Colossus. But you know, if we got a soul sword, then we got soul armor. Exactly. So there's there's that. You notice the ponytails, by the way. The ponytails look like Danny Moonstone. Because Moonstar. Moonstar. Moonstone. Moonstone. Because. Um, Anybody with those ponytails is obviously Native American. Mm-hmm. That's just true. You can <laughs> uh, my people actually, uh, you know, growing up with, with, with my Native American background as well, we um, we had none of those. So See, you're uh, obviously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> White men come, say cut off ponytail, ponytail the, go, the, the buffalo point. die. So the point is, the Cardinal uh, you know, wants to, to continue the mission, go home because we're done. She's already caught. Sorry. Exactly. So, so Rasputin's saying, "I'm going in, and will you pray for me, priest?" Because, and um, he goes, "I'll damn. pray for, I'll pray for every, every living soul." Yes, the good, the bad. But what is he missing there? What does she point out? That mm. machines don't have, like and humans alive. lost their soul a long time, long time when ago. they sided with the machines. Absolutely, they were given gifts, and damn, even like the Native Americans, we've seen. 
you know, so you know, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna bring it all together, uh, given gifts, and then they're like, no, the red man, we're gonna say that. Edit that out. No, that's staying in. Uh, <laughs> now, folks, I just want to stop right here and say, just because someone might be a mutant in your midst on your podcast does not mean that they are, you know, um, not going to say some racial shit. That's certainly not me. But anyway. He called yeah. us flat scans when he came in, which was just rude. Probably, probably meant nothing. Gene <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gene jokes, of course, being a uh, throwback to any superior mutant who hates humans and anyone who's not a mutant. That's such a notion. So, so Rasputin charges in. Yes. I'll be, you know, everything be damned. What's unfulfilling to me is that I guess the exchange cardinal just doesn't seem to have a role. Right, but that, he also says later on he can't. He's physically unable yeah, to because of his breeding. Why the hell is he there? I know why. You know why he's there. <laughs> but it just seems because he looks cool. Right. It's like when and it well, and it's like when your D and D party goes in and the bard is there for some reason, and it's you know we, they can't do much, but then here comes morale. And you know what? You know what, Thangor? Yeah, this is a this is a great song about how you slayed all those men. Sure, their wives and kids are you know. Lost without them, but they're dead, and we can go in and get our treasure. This is a song now, about you. Now play the flute. <laughs> he starts playing Don't Stop Believing, and it's fantastic. So, Silobel is captured again instead of just surrounded, and what we learn about her in those moments are she didn't have a name when they found her. She was a hound. That is one loud ass car behind me. You can almost hear how big his dick is. Um, <laughs> so. The soul sword? The soul sword. I'm assuming it's a soul sword, right? Yes, assumptions. Isn't it only supposed to cut through evil? Well, that kind it's... It gets tricky. It's tricky. Which writer are you talking about? Yes, because I think... That's the only thing I counted on in my life. Because I think because <laughs> I think it has something to do with it. After sometimes it's a blade itself, and that being affected by her mutant abilities... Right. ...also causes harm to physical objects... Well. well, of course, and you know we've seen it be able to shut people down, kind of like uh, Betsy Braddock's yes. uh, psychic. Uh, With the totality of her psychic ability, exactly. <laughs> so Silabel yeah. was a hound for uh, the Salkel uh, ken- kennels, and um, she was nameless. She had blood on her hands. The X Men still took her in, which is another thing we always see with the X Men is. Redemption, forgiveness, yes. being able to turn your life around. Gambit and Rogue, you know, Sabretooth, Toad for a while was Toad. even, uh, you know, the janitor at the Jean Grey school Jay, until... Um, Warpath, he used to be a hellion. Absolutely, like, so... Th- this percent of all X-Men were villains first. Absolutely, and this <laughs> this totally jives with what we've seen with the X-Men. Um, one quick note I just want to throw in there. We see a little later on, Sinister, they talk about later, there's no redemption for that man. He's the devil himself. More or less, yes. <laughs> or he could be on a podcast tonight. But yes. He is a catch <laughs> well, I mean, but how many times does Sinister die? Well, would, yeah, you I know. this year. Once. Sinister is... I don't think he'd ever die after his first death. Because everything since then, I'm not going to count because they're clones. Exactly, which we found out in Rosenberg's X-Men, the one that was working with them, was just another uh, shell. Oh, just like a utopia, we had a whole island of Sinister. Which was insane. They were like they they were having homes. They were fucking each other. Yes. They were they were <laughs> oh, buying man. bread from each other. Once you have all of you in a society and it's all clones of you, how many days do you think before you start making out with yourself? Yeah, I'm gonna know. say yeah. I'm gonna say the same day, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah you're like uh, let's try this out. Now, okay, this is this is an important question, and I really want you guys to think about it. Um, are you a good kisser? 
Uh, or if you're making out with yourself, do you just think that you're a good kisser? Like, there's no, there's no bias there. I think that if you're the only one around, by definition, you're the best. Yes. Whoa. And the worst. Unless one of those clones comes out and he's like really good at it, and you're you like, figure out who you been kissing. I ain't never, <laughs> I ain't never been kissed like this before. And then I look at myself and go, I know. <laughs> So, Silo Bell tells Rasputin, this mission is all for nothing if if we get caught. I can get caught, but not all of us can get caught. Someone needs to make it back with the intel. Another intel mission. There's always someone looking for how do they survive. Do you think that Silo Bell at this point has any idea that she... Do you think that Silo Bell at any point thinks that she can survive this? Of course. She was a hound. She was created to withstand these things. I believe in her mind... She she fully believes that she can survive this. Because she's programmed to believe? Exactly. So she's... Yeah. Okay. So I, these mutants I, were bred for one purpose or another. The the Red Priest finally plants the Black Seed uh, to the No Place, which is the tumor that we were just talking about in um, Krakoa. So so here we are, a factor of ten later. <sighs> Jeez. And now we're using Black Seeds. And now we're using Black Seeds for mean, whatever. Yeah, the cool. fact that you look Kelsey in the <laughs> eyes unblinking while you said it, that was that was a bit much. <laughs> Um, it's not racism, it's the fact. You know, <laughs> no! So, you know, it's one of those things where across the table from me, we have Ebony and Ivory, and over here, Gio and I are sitting, and we're both uh, similar caramel. Caramel and peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> <laughs> My caramel and peanut butter. That's a good combination. Sorry, that fucking sunk me. That was good. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so they overwhelm and capture Silo Bell, uh, who pleads with Rasputin to leave, and the look on her face is just devastating. She's like, please just go. Now imagine finding a home, a place that accepts you, a place that takes you in because you're one of them, and then being you know snatched away by the same people who are using you. That's fucking devastating. Yes. So, little side note in these books, Jonathan Hickman takes time each issue to go through and give us a whole list of... Uh, What's going on? It's like paragraph on paragraph on paragraph. Here we see where Rasputin's uh, five genes come from. There were a few different chimera classes. It started with Fodder, who they were bred by Sinister. It was all in a pact from Sinister, who never, <laughs> never trust Sinister. Why do they do it? Name. <laughs> you, like, you, know, you know who screwed us up with who? Doom. Wow. What? Really? You're saying he's a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sinister. Ah, oh, that just means he kinky. Oh, but he's kind yeah. of Mr. It's respectable. That's yeah. right. Yeah, unless you're nasty. Yes, he's the Mr. Sinister. <laughs> so, we've got the first class, the first gen called Fodder. They are defenders of the mutant nation state until the fall of uh, Krakoa, which happens some 10 years later. Now, these are built in with a 0.3% outlier, which is a uh, failure rate. They, there's always these deficiencies in each batch of clones. The second one, is that's when they're dubbed Chimera. And um, those have about two separate mutant genes. Predictable combined power, you know, so like you've got phasing and you've got blasting maybe, you know, something like that. Uh, they've got a 1.2% outlier. Then we've got the third gen, which is possibly the most successful. And those are comprised of up to five separate mutant genes. They're believed to be the turning point in the war, but they have a 9.4% outlier. What do you do with that kind of failure rate? Like, you know, these, these are supposed to be your defenders, but it's, it's steadily growing with each batch. They're, they're going to be defective. Oh, yeah, but their, their power is off the charts. Of course. Functionally, it'll make a level 
So you're so it's it's how good is the fireworks show for, for how quickly the fuse you know burns out. Well, sure. I mean, start at the beginning. What fodder is? is <laughs> it's not an endearing term. It's yeah, not it's a not. term for pawn. Exactly. Like sacrificial element, right? And so we could lose a couple of those. <laughs> but they're also the most simple, right? They've yes. got maybe one one power, and they're cloned from something else. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but then you get to Chimera class. Well, the fourth. Well, it's Chimera class, but I mean, all of these guys are Chimeras. Now. Well, yes, but for the first one, were fodder. They weren't called Chimera until uh, Gen two. Right, right. But then you get to Gen four. Now, Gen four, they suffered uh, systemic failure, and they uh, had a corrupted hive mind. They ended up destroying 40% of the remaining mutant population and caused the fall of Krakoa. They were the cause. What would you guess their outlier percentage is? Mm. Just, just on a whim. Don't even look at it. What, what would you guess? Uh, it's probably upwards of 20. Okay. 35%. 62.3% outlier. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying <laughs> if they believe really hard and Jesus is on their side, not in front of them, not behind them, but right next They're to them. They're flipping tables. That's right. Yes, yeah, right. They're making whips in the marketplace. Um, no, they they were the most corrupted and... The, the assumption is that Sinister had a long-term plan for this. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, like he always does. And the fact that he put in these deficiencies was sort of long game because they just reminded me of back to um, X-Men Legacy. After Sinister died again, yep. he somehow genetically implanted his consciousness to take over the bodies of the Juggernaut, Professor X, or Sebastian Shaw. So he his consciousness could take over that body so he could live on before he started cloning himself for multiple purposes. So even in death he's ready already ready to come back alive. Exactly. By some means. By some means. So yeah. another way to look at this <laughs> outlier rate and get ready. Y'all ready? No. It's mutation. Alright? So if you have It's a, right there in the, the fucking book. That's amazing. Because he gave an extra G. You <laughs> probably should have seen that coming. Anyway, the the point is is that at 0.3%, you're having essentially identical copies. So you don't get a mutant, you don't get an improvement, you don't get evolution. Right. As you increase, even at a 62%, even at 62%, I mean, you're talking about massive, like a all Hail Mary trying to create a mutant. Uh, and an so, Omega-level mutant at that. I mean, perhaps an Omega times 5, or the yeah. fifth power. And that's the thing, too, like, certain abilities probably would clash with others, so if you're just throwing them out... It's going to be a process that has to take place until you find one that's able to um, handle all those abilities the same way. Like when they brought up the fact of years ago that most powerful mutants like Magneto or Charles or even like Jean Grey and Scott Have a Kid or Hyperstorm, which is Rachel Summers and Franklin Richards, like the more powerful the parents are when it comes to mutants, the less mentally stable the offspring right, become. Right, right. In a lot of cases with Omega class mutants, because why a lot of them have all this power and they're crazy due to something. Something happens to yeah. just, you know, flip their, their crazy switch. Yeah, they're crazy. It may be too much power. Right, so absolute other, power corrupts absolutely. And so the, to go with that, if you have the 0.3% change, that's something you can probably handle. 0.3% totally. chaos in your life, you can yes. probably deal that and you come out stronger. I'm running on a 0.70. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, you, so you get up in the first, second, third generation. It's stuff you can handle. It's very stable. Well, this is just conjecture, mind you, in a creative environment where nothing is actually real. But suspend belief here, but you can insert anything you want. So Sinister knows he's about to fail. Absolutely. So he does the Hail Mary 
Because that's a that's a jump from what like six percent to sixty two. About ten percent to sixty two. It's not even like you're multiplying by you know by itself. You're you're. It's the it's a this is untested serum. I gotta try it on myself. Right. Yeah. And that never backfires. <laughs> but one of the things that's pointed out is this is this is part of Sinister's uh, ultimate goal, and. Um, He's been playing the long game since the beginning, since probably Charles and Magneto in year 10 of the X-Men announced that, hey, we're our own nation now. We're your gods now. And you think he's dead? Right, yeah. Like, I'm Nathaniel Essex, motherfuckers. He I'm coming back. He probably low-key is behind the Krakoa seeds in general, too, because if he has genetic samples of every mutant, Krakoa's a mutant. How long do we know he... How long do we know if he hasn't been already dabbling with the Kakoa Absolutely. DNA? Or even like back when Jason Aarons was writing Wolverine and the X-Men and yeah. baby Kakoa. Well, we know Sinister could have had that in the lab. And some Dr. Jerome stuff. Right, yeah. Engineering the perfect being. Exactly. And, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's part of what he does. Uh, so and he's not even a mutant. He's not even a mutant, <laughs> even but a mutant. He, he's always in their best like laid Deadpool. plans and their worst laid plans. <laughs> uh, he was publicly executed, it shows, in the timeline by the uh, Man-Machine Alliance. They they said, you're done. They found the original, and they they put an end to it. I wonder it. Who, who that was a message to, <laughs> publicly executing sinners. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, so, so from, <laughs> from there, we jump to Nimrod Omega. Now, Nimrod Omega is very different than any other Nimrod we've seen before. Yeah, he reminds me of Ultron from Age of Ultron. Right, but a little more gleeful. Yeah, well, like... Except right from the Jump Street, he's the lesser. Ah. Uh, That's true, too. Until, you know, later in the book, then he's Nimrod the Greater. Yeah. This Nimrod is almost human. You can see by the way he emotes. His face, which normally was something of a kill machine, uh, is now more... Expressive. Expressive. And he even seems gleeful when Silo Bell shows some re- resistance. So Silo Bell is taken by the hunters who brought her in, in front of Nimrod and this red-faced, evil-looking woman. The Omega Sentinel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, is her name Kamara? I don't Kamara. know. I don't know. We'll have to get into that. Um, but, uh, so is Nimrod a product of the machine emotion? Well, Nimrod's been a constant for a while now. This is true. That comes from the days of future past mm-hmm. the timeline. So, this being a different future timeline, this is a different Nimrod. I'm just trying to figure out, between these two machines here that are sitting here, who's a product of who? Yeah, you know, we, we, we probably don't know, and at this point, because he refers to the, those around him as equals of a nature, there's no point in point, saying, pointing out who created whom. It just felt like a, like a, like a ruling by committee. Like of course, several yeah. Several groups got together, and you know, Nimrod the Lesser... Nimrod the Greater, peace be with you. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. I, it, it felt to me like um, we're, we're machines against the humans, or we're using the humans now. We're certainly against the mutants, right? Yes. Not necessarily like this. Like he was a despot. Well, I mean, he is. at this point, he's he, he's working with the man machine uh, collective, I guess you would mm-hmm. call it. And one of the things that makes uh, that that really uh, was weird to me. Was when he looked Silabel in the eyes and he was like, "I'm truly sorry for what we did to you, for what oh. for us making you, for what we're about to do to you." Apology. He seemed genuinely sorry. Like we created you, and you know what? We shouldn't have. And he didn't even have to say any of that. Right. <laughs> so. Well, I wonder if that was like a byproduct of the evolution of the robots and the humans. Like eventually, <laughs> they just took on not necessarily emotions, but. The ability to act. Sure. Well, that's a that's a good question. How come, 
How come the more advanced the robots get, the more human they are? It's, I honestly think it's something having to do with the Uncanny Valley. You start off, you know, saying, hey, we're not, the mutants are evil, but we're just like, yeah, we hate them. We're all trying to be the same thing. And when that meshes together, you know, yeah, they may look human, but they're far more calculating. Or another, like, Ultron comparison is, like, initially he wants to be more human. Exactly, exactly. And to a degree. So jumping back into the issue, uh, he he says that he's sorry about Silo Bell. He's sorry she, they they were all a bad idea, the Hounds, because she was from his breeding camps on Mars. Uh, but a bad idea should die a bad death. And uh, she's like, I'm I'm never gonna you know stop. We're never gonna stop. We're gonna take you down. And again, he's clapping his hands. He's got like an emoji face, and he's saying, "Great, fight back." That's the spirit. That's how we become stronger. Exactly. It's all about adapting and learning, Stay which is crazy. Steel. Exactly. At this point, do you think that she thinks she can get out of this? I think there's a chance until the bath is mentioned. Yeah. Now, <laughs> She's now, going home until the dip. Exactly. <laughs> the dip. The dip, not the dip. Um, so, Kelsey, give me a rundown on what the bath is. The bath is basically, well, to my interpretation, is a liquid type of solution that doesn't break down. Um, the physiology of a person, but it allows their consciousness to be coded and mm-hmm. to be absorbed in some type of. It takes the data. Yeah, it takes the data okay. from her mind, even though it's a black mind, yeah, I, I black brain. I kind of thought it did break down the body at some point. I think it's supposed to break down the body a little bit. Yeah, to break the mind down. Yeah, readable data. Mm-hmm. Now uh, Nimrod again apologizes that she's going into the bath, and uh, weirdly enough, he asks her to forgive him. Like that's that, that's not machine. Yes, that is that is human. Yes. that's completely human to ask someone to forgive you, even though you know you're putting them to death in a sense. And uh, the red lady, who I I can't think of her name, she says causes seem fatal for your kind, for mutants. They're always rallying behind a cause. And Silobel says, "I'm more than fine to die for a cause for something I believe in." Yes. But it seems like that's all mutants are ever doing is dying for the cause. For the cause. And normally the cause is just to survive. So, from there, we jump forward again. And, uh, or no, we're, we're, we're just, we're not jumping forward quite yet. We're, we're staying in year 100, and Rasputin and the priest return to the no place. Now, Rasputin is pissed with uh, Cardinal, because he just sat there and watched. I don't, I don't know why she's mad, because that's what he does. I was just bred for peace. <laughs> this is not my doing. I, I could have stayed here way. and chill. Like, you <laughs> I was going about to fight. Why did you bring me with you? I am not good for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they don't give him the he German person. Uh, yeah. Because he's German. German probably doesn't exist. Word. <laughs> but, uh, but also, I mean, he seems to be the seed carrier. Exactly, yeah. He's he's in charge of getting him to and from places. And almost like... He's parasite. Mm-hmm. The seed carrier. Um, he's peace-loving, bred to be almost religious, like we're talking about. Yeah, right? of course. Seems doesn't seem like a weird connection to put the to make the seeds... The Krakoa that's been around for at this point now, a hundred years at least, right? That, the, yes. the the Krakoa seeds that we're currently seeing, yes, not not Krakoa itself, which of course has been around since uh, Storm and Colossus joined the team. Yeah. It seems almost like like a worship of the Krakoa. Of course, it's life giving. It's a mutant just like them. Yes, they even uh, pointed that out in Wolverine and the X Men when it became the uh, the grounds for the Jean Grey Institute. Krakoa is a mutant just like them. Yes. It's the island the island that lives. That walks like a man! Yeah. <laughs> Natural defenses. Do yeah. you guys ever wonder why non-mutants have to ask Krakoa's permission to travel through the portals? 
Um, I think Krakoa has seen in its whole life, because it is a collective consciousness that, you know, is you transplant Krakoa, it's still Krakoa. It's seen the history of humans and X-Men. It's of mutant kind. It's seen that humans will trample over them no matter what, and unless it gives a permission, it'll just be taken. Does Charles Xavier have to ask permission? Of course not. Of course not. No, he is a telepath, and he can make anyone do whatever he wants. And he has, yeah, he has that portable cerebral. Oh no, no, no! I, I, I think <laughs> I think the sinister nature of Charles Xavier is something we will see come to fruition. Yeah. Yes. Um, and another thing too about the Cardinal is like also a play on the Cardinal bishops and the whole absolutely aspect and the fact that mm. he's the pacifist. Nightcrawler was a pacifist. Exactly. He was a priest as well, and he looks. Like it looks just like Nightcrawler. Um, so they go back to the No Place, and uh, they're they're greeted by Wolverine, Zorn, Magneto, and some unknown character that kind of looks like Groot. I'm gonna assume it's Black Tom Cassidy, if it's actually Black Tom Cassidy, because he did he was a tree for a, sure, a while. sure. But uh, one of the things here is uh, Wolverine. When we saw him in House of X one, he was happy, he was laughing. This looks like a Wolverine that's ready to pop those claws. And dive him into someone, you and know? If it's even Wolverine himself. Because well, we still don't know. I would believe that this one is Wolverine. The technical Wolverine. Because yeah. if that's an old Wolverine, no way that's still Magneto and the Green Polaris. Exactly. Unle- if Wolverine's old, they know it's old. Are, are, are you about to tell me that Magneto couldn't be de-aged? And- that's well, something that's, I was about to bring up. That's possible, too. Like, that's always... Born. You know, okay. and, and with we've seen, what, what we saw in the first uh, House of X with those pods, he was either rebirthing or fixing these mutants, and I think that's what we're seeing here with these ones, because these ones weren't bred. And I think that if you died away from Krakoa, like away from the seed, away from the cardinal, or whatever it is, then you would be dead. Of course. Potentially Krakoa could make you again. Krakoa mm-hmm. has genetic material. Exactly. Sinister is involved. But it's all there. All the pieces are there. They just need to be put, to be, be put together. No more green Krakoa. No. So, maybe black Krakoa. I'm sorry about green race. No, he cool. keeps looking Kelsey right in the eyes okay. as he says these. Hey, it's factual. <laughs> This is supposedly in those tumor places. Yeah. yeah. The off the grid. And maybe the green is just the doors off to make things like it's not Eric. Maybe he's wearing the green because Polaris died and it's his right. homage to her. Or it's Pietro. Or. Because we, yeah, we ain't seen him move any metal. Exactly. He's just standing there. He's just there. <laughs> Who said he couldn't run it out? Exactly. For all we know, that's Magneto and Zorn again. Exactly, exactly. Or probably Gene, if anyone. Um, So while they're there, uh, they they tell Wolverine that they lost two of them. Um, And Wolverine says that's a shame. They They were good soldiers. He's done with them being kids who should be able to enjoy their lives, and he's back to... We're soldiers fighting in a war. Yes. This is X-Force. Exactly, X-Force. And he tells sweet, them to give, hand over the data. The old man is waiting. Now, I think the old man is Professor X keeping himself. Like, he's getting bitter. He's there. And that'll probably turn into the man we see, the blue one we see later on, the librarian. This is... Who else could it be? Uh, Toad. Scott. We saw him go scuttle off and play with the kids. He might have got lost. Yeah, Scott. Scott. Oh. Apocalypse. Scott would be an interesting Scott's take. not a bad choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, or if we're getting really Rosenbergy on this, it would be Havoc. The the yeah I know I rolls all across the board when it comes no, to havoc he is the surviving uh, summers. He's the access for all havocs. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not even dead. He's probably in the alternate universe, which would explain if he popped up in this one. Exactly, you know. Anything can happen, board. but it's, it had to be somebody that Wolverine would follow. Exactly. And potentially Magneto. And Scott might fit yeah. that bill perfectly. 
so we're, we're, we're treated to another page uh, just, just letting us know what happened with the mutants in this time. And it stated that there are less than 10,000 10, 10, mutants around. About 8,000 of them um, went to a place called Benevolence, and they are on the Shi'ar homeworld. Uh, a little under 2,000 are in the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. And they're hoping that those 2,000 can, you know, go and uh, repopulate. They could be the mutants that bring back the mutants. Now, on Asteroid K, which is where we see them go in the no place, eight mutants remain. Given that two of them just died. There were ten of them, eight remain. We've only seen a handful, which means there are a couple surprises around the corner. Yes, and why are they there? (sighs) We, we, If all, like, majority of other mutants are in Shi'ar space, why are these eight still... On Earth, of course, hoping for it. Like it's, uh, like, is, is there something about Krakoa that makes Krakoa impossible to kill? I don't know. Pesticide might do it, um, which is something we'll, we'll we'll get into in a little bit. <laughs> I, 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 I have something to talk about with that. Agent Orange, next life hill character, yeah, right? Okay, so maybe it's like a spore thing. Like as long as there's a seed out there, oh. if you regrow. It's yeah, exactly. Like so how come? This one hasn't been deforested here at uh, Asteroid K. Space tree. Exactly. Yeah. Space tree. Space yeah. tree. Genetically true. engineered. It's probably magnetism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the new Asteroid M. Maybe it's Asteroid Black K. Black Tom Cassio, the group, has something to do with that, too, and they use their abilities. To just to keep it alive, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's Krakoa. I'm just going to throw that out. Whoa! Oh, yeah. Krakoa that's as an individual. Yeah. That would be interesting. Why not? Um, that makes absolute sense. So we jump forward <laughs> one more time to the year 1000. This is Ascension. And from here, we start off with Silobel in the bath that she was put in in year 100. Uh, there's a librarian, a blue-skinned individual with a tiny Nimrod. Just archiving, saying there's not enough soul left to save. It's broken it's down. Skates. It's all just... Yeah, it skates! Well, exactly. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're, the data's there. It's a mutant database. But there's no soul. Not enough to copy, not enough to replicate. It's just data. Mm-hmm. The person is gone. The abilities remain. Do you think that having a physical body makes it so you can have powers? No. <sighs> That's tough. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, Proteus. And stuff well, like. well, that but you have to factor, factor in Proteus. I'm, I'm just talking about, at this point, this is where I thought that Silobel was more Tiger. So if you, to have, a, to have powers, you need a body, but if you come, like Professor X, his ability is to inhabit... Other people's with his mind. Okay. We're gonna get ahead of ourselves. We're, yeah, we're. Come back. <laughs> I was gonna say. Huh. That helmet. Just looking at that visor does look like another X. And maybe a that's little the future, cerebral. Future, 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 future cerebral. So um, Nimrod takes the blame, which is again another evolution we see with Nimrod. It's he's taking the blame for what happened, but the librarian says you just did what you were made to do. You're you're not to blame here. It's, you know you were create you created a database of Homo Superior for the war. Even though we found out later how pointless that war was. Good God! Yeah, all of this death and garbage for nothing. Oh no, we destroyed Earth. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. So they even they even mention a surprising end of the war. So something crazy is gonna happen here in these books. But the librarian points out, you know, we have to remember the past. It's why we keep dinosaur bones around. We, you know, because Nimrod points out, good thing we're done with Homo sapiens. He's like, well, we're never really done with them. We keep them here in this preserve because we have to be able to look at the past and learn from it and see what we overcame. We have to point a finger at something and say, we can't be that again. And God help us if humanity ever gets domain over this planet again. Yes, you always need a fresh, fresh genetic um, trait or uh, strand too as well. Sure. 
and we see we see uh, some some humans running around in this preserve. Now, believing that they won't, you know, get Dominion is fine. But as we've learned from the, uh, I believe it was uh, Jeff Goldblum who said, um, "Life, life, uh, life finds a way." Yes. So, so all of these mutants are boiled down to data. Yes. Right? And then they're stored in this here database. Of course. Where they're all just some version of data. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's important. And it's all in one database, more or less, at least connected. Of course. The Internet of Things, mm-hmm. the year 1000, right? So Krakoa's not around anymore. Do you think Krakoa got boiled down into a veggie stew? I think the humans up? destroyed Krakoa at the first chance they could. Yeah, some part of that but has to be, because that could explain like that environment with, I don't know if that's Adam and Eve, Scott and Jean. Right, right. Steve and Jane and Thor's future. Is Krakoa <laughs> in this database? I would say yes. I, I, I would also agree, yeah. Krakoa, the data is always going to be there because they still have the seats. Okay. It is Krakoa. Yeah. So that is where we leave off with the issue. That is the end is seeing humanity in this preserve and the librarian and Nimrod ruling over it. You know, uh, it, it's kind of a crazy place to go from there. But one of the topics, one of the main points for this episode is seeing the dream fall to pieces to see the utopia that was promised come crashing down again we've seen it time and time again uh just recently i went in and burped right in front of you guys while i was talking about something and uh i went back and i reread the uh the ultimate comics x-men the stuff right after ultimatum to the end mm-hmm. and that was crazy because there were two there was tian the, the tian and the, and the mutant nation also known as utopia and gene was running around with one crazy and uh you you, you brought up can can uh, krakoa be killed one of the things that the genes mutants they uh, they send a pesticide over that kills the sentient land. It, it just destroys it, and uh, it's slowly dying. And it, they, they don't even care that it was a sentient mutant like them. It muted, mutated from uh, just a normal seed, and they killed it regardless. It's one of those times where they just want better lives, and it doesn't work out. One of the big parallels I picked out was um, in one of these issues. It's very similar to some stuff we're seeing here, where uh, Ultimate X-Men issue 13, there are people protesting in the streets on behalf of mutants. These are humans. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're Americans. They, they live here. Yeah, they're, 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 they're alive. Stop <laughs> doing this. And the, the people enforcing draw fire on these people who are protesting. You know, they, 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 they're like, well, you're just as bad as them. If you're, you know, a sympathizer, you're gone. And they're deporting them. They're putting them in these internment camps. It's crazy. The parallels I and saw while reading... This was about eight years ago? This was about eight years yeah. ago. Yeah, it was craziness to see. And everyone's like, well, if America was doing that, you know... Again? Yeah, yeah. They Well, oh, that, that's terrifying. And just reading it, I'm like, damn, this is... If it starts with somebody, it's going to end with somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How long before that end is you? Eventually, you know, it's all of us. We're none of us make it out of here alive except for TJ, who is immortal. This is only the fourth time I've done this. Yeah, are you doing a Groundhog Day? (laughs) (laughs) And you came with, and you came with this material. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sad. So, what are some other utopias you guys have seen that had a really great start and just came crashing down? Okay, well, none of them are great. They all generated the reason that they were going to fail. Okay. so you can say Genosha, which uh, is awesome. Um, if you like slave labor and, you know... Uh, 
to each their own. Yeah. Their skills. Mutant apartheid. They gave a mutant <laughs> the ability to lead the nation. Maybe <laughs> if you take away their free will, they don't care anymore. Daniel, <laughs> it's a mercy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. They better. Are they better for it? <laughs> so, so you know the, the Eloy, you know, of top of Thank you. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, the everything's great. I mean, of it's course. a phenomenal utopia. But at night, the Morlocks come. But at night, the Morlocks come. That's right. That's. But not 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 the mutant Morlocks. More of the H.G. Wells Morlocks. So quite a brain Morlocks. So obviously, this post you know, Siege Perilous, you know, Genosha isn't good. But when mutants return to Genosha to mm-hmm. have their own country, yeah, it's good. But what is inherently the problem with with all the utopias is that they're separate. Yes. So that that, that is also kind of touched on in um, the Ultimate X Men. Gene says they're supposed to be a united mutant nation, having a mutant utopia in America versus the TN nation. It makes them look unstable. Whose dream is that? Exactly. And nobody can figure years. out it's, it's not Xavier's. No. Who's on the lead it either. So that's why you have hmm. all those fractions. It's like, yeah, you want us to be united, but at the same time you want us to play by your rules. Exactly. Although in, in, in powers we're seeing and in house we're seeing that there's a there's a different approach where they, they seem to have come to a compromise where we will be united and you know what? At some point it will be by any means necessary. Yeah. Um just like in a, They're the new gods. Yes, the new yeah. gods. You don't, Not the DC. You don't get to declare yourself new gods. <laughs> just like we're gonna cohabitate. I happen to be a god. <laughs> <laughs> He's telling us from experience when um ancient Babylonians started building a tower in his name. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and gods don't even live with man. They live on Mount Olympus or in Asgard. Yeah, right. Or you know, for a where, where was it? You live again, TJ? Where is that? Yeah, monument. Yeah, That's yeah. Where, yeah. No. <laughs> Do you think that name's by accident? He's there, and they built monument. <laughs> you're bringing up examples already but each one of them every time it's separate then the bad guys are going to come we're on the moon or like in the case of Utopia it was all quote unquote good until the schism between Wolverine and Cyclops of course and also the Phoenix Force well and you you gotta look at the the world powers that be in this universe that that say well they can't even unify themselves without without realizing that we as humanity don't do that we draw borders we we separate ourselves all the time but to point a finger at someone quickly and say oh well you guys can't even get on the same page and what happened you get namor one of the most powerful people on the planet on your side you, you get Nam- magneto yep. one of yeah. the most powerful people on your side you want namor this is how you get namor <laughs> and then you well have- that and you got to have a hot blonde running around with her stretchy Nemo husband Cross. so you get cyclops we're going to talk about it yeah <laughs> So you get Cyclops, like, revolutionaries and the mutants, basically turn them into a paramilitary army because there's only less than 200 of them left on Utopia, mm. of Utopia outside of San Francisco. And then you have Norman Osborn tries to come in and tell them what they're going to do. Yeah. And Scott says, no. uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> He shuts that down. So, uh, so we talked about, uh, we mentioned, or I whispered anyway, something about uh, House of Batman. Right? Yeah. So that's interesting. What about Emma Frost here in the latest Uncanny, who makes everybody forget mutants existed? But is that a paradise to simply exist in hiding? It's not going to work. It's because not, something's going to fire off their optic blast and go, how do you do that? But they did, remember? Yeah, Alex even hit did. his powers and no one noticed. Oh, he so must be an Avenger we all know about. <laughs> where they just don't recognize they, Yeah, they can't see it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a Doctor Who uh, perception filter. Word. So now they're all coexisting. Exactly. Mutants and humans. No robots anywhere, as far as I can see. 
far as you know. Mm-hmm. And are you talking about House of X or Powers of Ten or House of M? No, no. So I'm, I guess I'm talking about Candy X Men right at the end. At the very end, I don't know. Guns were drawn on them, and they did do their classic pose, saying, "We're the X Men. We're here. We're queer." Get with it. And we don't know if that's still part of the main continuity. Exactly. I keep asking this question. When does X-10... We don't know. And I think we're intentionally left in the dark on that. The point, what we do know, that there aren't any other X or Avenger or whatever other teams out there trying to whip some ass up on or these new X-Men or anything, right? Because they don't do it. Exactly. And that's been one thing, too, about House of M. It was working until people realized... This ain't right, but then they have right, some heroes right, like, right. you know, it's not that bad. Right, Clint's and like, he, I'm alive, but yeah. I also want to kill the, the, the bitch that did this to me. Exactly, <laughs> and it's also like, if mutants were supposed to take over, well, they're <sighs> taking over. And exactly. We could get used to this, but then it's like, no, that's not the right thing. So, do you think that it's the leadership that they follow, or is it something they do to themselves? Where, where I'm asking in, in relation to causing the collapse. Um, um, being separate right away, I keep saying that. Yes, being, that's going to Being separate is going to cause you problems right away. But then, uh, what if you're separate and nobody knows you're separate? So, what, like uh, Age of X Men. Mm-hmm. Um, presumably, uh, Scott and Wolverine had no idea there was an Age of X Men. And, the and they were in that pocket universe, which was a utopia. To a degree. You're talking about Cyclops and Wolverine? No, they were in a living Buddy hell. Cop, was it Buddy Cop movie? They were, <laughs> in, they were in Rosenberg's... Who, yeah. Which X-Men am I going to kill this week? I'm talking right. about the rest of the X-Men who yeah. were in that all-mutant. And, and so in that case, it's the leader. Because mm-hmm. it took away emotion, which you know anybody can stay alive. But why... You need emotion and relationships and the love I have for you guys. He Here. touched everyone but me. Right. <laughs> um, you should, should take that message. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, no, but the, the point it's all is, in the that's, <laughs> that's the reason to be alive. Of course. No, there you go. That's the reason for life right now. Right there, right there now. now, personally, I, I find uh, waiting for a season two of Love, Death, and Robots is a pretty good reason for Ooh. me, but, uh, you know. Love This is the X-Men right exactly. here. Um, <laughs> Death, Love, that's, that's definitely it. So, well, so, do you think... So in that case, a leader. Okay. Um, so, the seeds of the universe destruction right there. Okay. So everyone's going to start having emotions, presumably. Otherwise, who cares? They're all going to be automatons. Right. They, they, they weren't meant to love Apocalypse. In in, in that one, he was right. the love guru. Yes. Which was crazy. Was but he didn't want to go back because he knew in the other universe, he was a monster. Word. And the thing too, but he has love. He's just misplaced. He loves mutants. Like in the Blood of Apocalypse story arc, he's yeah. giving his blood to help rejuvenate the mutant gene or cure mutants from any elements that you have but I think it's part mostly is the leadership but it also still falls on the humans at the end of the day because if Charles was maybe running Utopia off of San Francisco I was like we're gonna live here but I'm we're um, here to cultivate the new age of uh, mutants right you know right. help them with them being you know, kids and the, as, as just letting them kids. live yeah just letting them live like Jean Grey's new Atlantis yeah uh, C-Rebro 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 yeah, yes um, anyway, that was she had open relations with everybody. She of course, helping humanity. The challenge, the challenge though, is humans have a hard time being second. Yeah, that's it. Point blank, so, period. Even to ourselves. Yeah. So if you're, it, and well, another thing is, this is just human nature. And this is my extensive knowledge of humans. I've looked at them almost all my life. And, almost. Uh, you know, not talking about the days when he created us, but right, uh, yes. or my other lives. For that matter. Awesome, Lucy. 
Lucy creates humanity. I tell you what, you give Lucille Ball one of those pills, you watch the whole entertainment industry just take off. That's Star Trek for years and years and years. <laughs> but maybe so the millions need to take a book from Namor's page and just a page from Namor's book. Like, no, that's how they do it in Atlantis. <laughs> like, nobody wants to go and invade Atlantis. Maybe they should just live on the ocean. Like, well, yeah. I mean, and, and that's nobody's all. Nobody's trying to tell Namor to play nice. Right. I mean, that, that, that's all well and good until you realize that they fuck fish. And then it's like, ooh. I need to bring that up. Really. No one needs to bring it up, but we all need this to think about it. It may be in the deep, but I don't think he's the deep. <laughs> you, you know my uncle married a fish. Right, that's too soon. Talking about your uh, aunt salmon? <laughs> So so real quick, let's talk about leaders who um seemed like a great option at the beginning that went a whole different way. I, I want to draw a parallel here in that we something we talked about earlier to, to prep you guys. Jonestown. Jonestown started off as a it was going to be a paradise for them. Yes. It was going to be their own land. It was going to be a family, the temple. And they were going to have their own food. They are going to be their own government. It was free love, self-sufficient. In opposition to what? Oh, the government. In opposition to oppression. And to capitalism. Ownership to capitalism. Yeah, they were going to be their own people. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and Jim Jones, I mean, it, it, he did prey on the... Uh, the the fears of the, the minority groups. Very much so. He's like, you know, the race war is going to start. And uh, he even started adopting a different tone of talking to that of a black woman. It was just crazy. I heard that, too, because this is the first time I actually listened to Jim Jones. Because only, only Jim Jones I um, used to listen to is the rapper Dipset all day. But <laughs> this Jim Jones, he was speaking jive. He was speaking their language. He was letting them know, like, no, here we have blacks, we have whites, we have Asians, we have gays. Mm-hmm. You're welcome here. The Bible teaches us love one another. Oh, yeah. to do here. And he started off feeling persecuted and ostracized just like mutants. So he decided to start his church. But then he also had his ego. Exactly. And that's when... Well, and, and that's... <laughs> well, that's not Mario and I. That's when things went awry, but... One of, one of the, the parallels I'll draw there is in the Ultimate Comics, uh, Jean... When she realizes she's losing control of this beautiful place. she's going by Karen. She's going by Karen. She's <laughs> adopting a whole new personality. Shows up the Utopia looking for the manager. Uh-huh. Kitty <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> Pride. <laughs> so, she, she, she infiltrates, and then when she realizes that it's going to be a war, she puts her people at risk. Much like what we see with Jim Jones, he, he promised such a better life. He promised... Goods and uh, you know, like, hey, we're 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 gonna be the thriving one. They're gonna be jealous of us. They're gonna see our way of life, and they're gonna realize they got it all backwards, man. We're the ones over here doing it the right way, and it led to so much death. Which is also interesting. Like the number I read was nine hundred and eighteen people total total that died. After dissemination of mutants, there was 198 mutants. So I don't know if that's just a coincidence or if they saw the parallel. <laughs> that you know, the numbers itself. It might be, you yeah. know, because because Jonestown was one of the, the the biggest tragedies of the time. You know, for for a long time, that was just wow. They killed kids. They killed themselves. The largest like American. They mass killed that murder. congressman too. Yeah, and the congressman yeah. came and he's like, "So what are you guys doing here?" 
And Jim Jones ordered these people to go and kill him, to shoot down his airplane, to just basically start all-out war. Who does that remind you of? In the in the X Men or in the, uh, in the I know it was it was such a it was such a weird moment right there where you all gave each other looks like is that you am I supposed to, is it, are you doing this? <laughs> but who does that remind? <laughs> it was more of Mother Teresa. She uh, she was a con woman. No, who in the Marvel universe does that remind you of? Charles or Xavier or Charles Xavier? <laughs> Charles or Magneto? Well, I don't know. Let's see. So we've got a rising problem. Yes. Of mut- we have mutants that are, that are being generated, children of the atom. We don't know how to deal with them yet. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to deal with themselves. They've got certain skills that need to be honed. Let's create a sanctuary for them, perhaps somewhere in Salem. And then we'll have a leader who's bald, distinct, different, can read your mind. Let's train you up ostensibly to be good students and good humans. Yeah. And then send you off on my little crusades and then kill you. In Krakoa. In Krakoa. And lie about it. Oh, and then lie about it. And then lie about all of it. Erasing memories. Right. Uh, Files from those rebels. And he has them do these missions all the time. (laughs) I'm not necessarily here to say Jim Jones is Professor X. Professor X is Jim Jones. But you see the many times that he's he's, he's asked the X-Men to do these things for him, and they do it. No second guessing. Let's pretend there's a mutant problem. Okay. Humans don't like them. So I'll use my powers of magnetism to create an asteroid. And then I'll bring all of my guys up there. We'll call them acolytes. And do all the heavy lifting. Yeah, we'll call them ac- <laughs> acolytes. You know, it's, and then the acolytes will go down there and start whipping ass on the, earth, on the earthlings. Too, mm-hmm. Right? Same story. Same and story. Like, all right, but, fine. You don't want us here? We're gone. Literally. <laughs> so we're, we're in space. We're in our own area. Let us be in our hey, own area. What are, you, what are you guys doing up there? Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, you told us to leave. We, we left. Boy, does it suck up here. Shut the machines off. They're going to hear Pac-Man. Go back to where you came from. <laughs> yeah, we're in space. <laughs> Uh, nobody is home. Um, just us mannequins. No, no, he's not here. No. no. <laughs> so going back, so 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 even Magneto and and Professor X have both had their their followers do these things that test them. With Jim Jones, he had them drink the flavor aid multiple times, and they they didn't know he would re, he would sound the alarm. They thought, okay, this is it. This is the end. And he, you know, he's like, nope, just kidding. This was an emergency test of our. Flavor Aid drinking station. Had it been a real Flavor Aid drinking emergency, you'd be dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but do you think it would ever get to that point with Xavier or with Magneto that they're so hooked on a goddamn feeling that they uh, they lead them into certain destruction, certain death? Yes, because it's happened numerous times. What are some they examples? All, they all have god complexes. So um, just off the top. Krakoa, for example, um, didn't lead Charles Xavier to doom. Yeah, it didn't lead him to doom. <laughs> um, even with um, <laughs> um, the Danger Room and the Astonishing X Men, he knew the Danger Room was sentient the whole time. He knew that was going to be eventually a problem there. Which is a manipulation on that life form. And it was, it was a sentient life form. It was a human being. It was a computer mutant. Yeah. And Charles said, "Nope, you're going to be a slave to and, the machine." And your whole goal is to. Slowly and increasingly try and kill my students. Yes. <laughs> oh, Joss Whedon. Uh, Onslaught? Does that count? I think it does. Well, no, okay, keep going. Onslaught? Onslaught, the uh, merger of yep. uh, Magneto's psyche with uh, Professor X. Mind. Yep, uh, mind created mutant. 
nigh unstoppable till Franklin Richards rolled, um, rose up. Exactly. Um, didn't go too well for mutants after that because people blame them for the death of all the superheroes at the time, mostly because they weren't selling books. Right. The only people were selling books was the X Men and Spider Man, so that's why they were still alive. <laughs> but I thought they create a. But yeah, they ain't, they ain't no, no, no. Um, now Charles and and uh, Eric, they've both created their own little communes, their own little. Hey, we're yeah. away from it. We've seen it echoed in some of the movies. Even they, even if they were garbage, we've seen it in the movies. Sure. Um, now these people, they're, they're so quick to to follow them into battle, follow them with this ideology. This ideology that we see in House of X is dangerous. Yes. Would we all agree that? Yes, it, it, it it's a dangerous ideology. They're poking the bear. <laughs> By giving it snacks. Like, you want more snacks to your hill, but at the same time. So, I guess the analogy I was trying to draw between all those is that the cult is born from the oppression that they feel now. Yes. So, yes. And it takes that shape. And it will be better later, I swear. Oh, and so that's how you, that's how you uh, rile people up, the, rile their passions up to go fight and die. Yeah. Yes, we ride the tide, then we come to the shore, and everything will be gravy once we get there. We just gotta get to the other we side. We just gotta get there, you know. But uh, it's they're they're on a dangerous path, and I, I, I again I trust Hickman, but I do believe we're gonna see um, the deadlier side of Charles' dream. But they are providing what the five years extra extra life, the cure for yeah. cancer. What's the third one? Uh, so there was an antibiotic, Antibi- yeah, oh, antibiotic, okay. and mental diseases, mental and, uh, diseases yeah. and five years extension of your life. Yeah, five years seems like a weird number, but still, all all those three things together would probably placate quite a little bit of human passion. Oh, absolutely! Exactly. Like we love something for free because I don't think they're charging either, or is that one of the things like they just know? it's recognition of their sovereignty. Exactly. Yeah. As long as they recognize them as a sovereign state, and, and then, yeah, yes. So that's going to be interesting to see how long before someone's dreams turns into somebody else's nightmare. Well, and that's the thing, you know, because uh, if enough of these people decide they don't want to recognize them as a sovereign nation, they – well, then what happens? I mean, for what reason? Aside from stealing some real estate and a bunch of countries? I don't know. Bigotry, uh, paranoia, um, the fact that mutants have caused more omega-level events, you know. youth, no disease, no Oh, yeah, but what if we could take that and re-engineer it ourselves? That's what I was about to say. What if they figure a way to re- reverse engineer it? Like, now we don't need you guys. So yeah. Be, Thank you for the, those cures. We need more. Thank you for the corn. But the here's a blanket. Here's, here's a blanket for you. <coughs> yeah. Oh, that's weird. Did he just cough? Nah, he sneezed. <laughs> but what, what happens when there's enough of a threat and Krakoa takes it back? Right. And how long does it take one of these people who's lost their house or their family or something of value to... The terrorist mutant Magneto, and he's working with them, and they've got Sabretooth working with them, and all these other villains. No. And how do we know that these seeds work? Like, how do you know you live in five history? <laughs> A doctor goes, "You've got three days," and you go, "Bite me," and you eat the seed. That's marketing. I've been trying to get in there. Marvel will not return my calls. Is this bite me? So yeah. No, not me. Just <laughs> begs a question. Everyone knows who Magneto is, right? In the yes, they have to. And he has to be the mutant Bin Laden, Saddam, Hitler. Right. Yeah, even but though I mean, he's Jim Jones. Jim Jones. But why is there a history of Magneto? There's always been a history. I mean, okay, okay. I'm trying in, to find this time, the time in frame, the timeline that we're used to. So what the, the happened? General six one six. What happened to the purple and pink? 
Uh, well, things. like we've seen before, when he believes he's in the right, when he believes he is on the Holy Crusade, he's on the right path, we see him don all white, which is... It's almost like the, the, the mutant doth protest a little too much. You know, I am good now. It's like saying I'm not crazy or, you know, anything like that. The more you say it. And a lot of writers do use the white in imagery, just like when um, Dr. Doom was God Doom and Secret right. Wars. Yeah. That was Hickman as well. We yes. see it in Hickman a lot where he it's a pure form. He has ascended. He has become the pure light, the pure the light that needs to guide us all. So why would Jean Grey pick that costume? Because maybe not, not everyone is in their right mind. So why would she be a girl when she's a woman? Like, like I said before, like she she was. Susan Storm dropped the girl decades ago. Maybe it harkens <laughs> back to a time when it wasn't so complicated. True. It's back when they were saving the world. They were heroes. Girl power. You know. They, Cyclops, they, Cyclops never wore that costume. The Miss Marvel one? We don't know that. No, Cyclops. <laughs> like, his version was the red and black instead of the blue lines. Yeah. He was wearing when he was revolutionary. So powers are broken. You know, we yeah, they were rebirthed, but again, they were rebirthed by the man called X. We don't know what headspace they're in. We don't know what they're you know bred to believe. The man called Charles Xavier. No, just X. But now he's Charles Xavier. Now he's calling himself that. But this was this, as we saw before in Astonishing, he's not the same. He hasn't been the same. His pretenses are gone, and he's saying we're doing this. And you know what? How many times have you questioned me and you were wrong? Exactly how. I had the light. And how do we know like this still doesn't have any implications of the Shadow King's effect as well? <laughs> exactly. Could be also, a Shadow King long con because he's another one that just sits, sits in the astral plane. Exactly. Put true. a little darkness into it. That's true. I'm disappointed. In it. <laughs> Hickman probably wouldn't do that. I mean, we don't know if you're listening to this, Jonathan Hickman. Hi. Because every <laughs> issue changes the previous issues. So I'm just throwing now, everything. Out there. Phantom X in the world is interesting. This better not be all in the world. Ugh. You know what they say. They gave Young Apocalypse the whole Superman origin in the world, too. And yeah, yeah. Happened like that for him. Evans, I think Real quick, there's stuff that you you will want to know about in House of X number two. Most importantly, Moira McTaggart's uh, whole position in this book is incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, without, we're not actually going to go panel by panel on this. No. But just a quick uh, the, the thrust, the spoiler. So, spoiler alert, pause now. And. That, spoiler alert. that was crazy. What kind of spoiler was that? <laughs> the, uh, that so okay, so yeah, Maura McTaggart is essentially um, immortal. Uh, she she lives her life. She dies. She goes back in time to the moment of her parents uh, boinking. Well, some sort of uh, co- uh, some sort of awareness in the womb. Um, with all hopefully she's not aware of the fucking <laughs> comes in. That's just embarrassing. Yeah, she's just shooting through a tunnel. What's happening? It's like Wreck It Ralph, but the internet one where yeah. they go in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's the question too. Like, how long before she dies into she's in the womb does she realize she's back in the womb? Is it conception? No, or is it when she's? It's like those rides at Six Flags that they 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 say they're going to count to three before it launches you, but on two they just shoot. Yeah, it's like oh, I'm dead. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, at some I, point in the womb, she w- she wakes up fully aware with all of her memories from the previous life, and then she's born again. Now she she is a normal human until about age thirteen, of course, where she has a terrible fever, whatever, gets sick, gets better the next day, and now she's got this mutant power. Now she doesn't first time go around didn't realize she had a mutant power, lived a normal life, very fulfilling, it's wonderful. Um, but then she goes back and lives these lives over and over again. So she's had. 
uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of ten or eleven, depends on how we go. Yeah, um, there's there's ten seen in her future, eleven if she makes the right choice. And it's interesting because not all of them involve Charles Xavier. Sure. Um, not all of them are righteous. Do you think that's where the the title Powers of Ten comes from? I was thinking that too. Like ten timelines, I get in. They've been playing with the number with the ten hundred thousand. Yeah, right. Yeah. Moments. So that are that are. There's been references to her being Moira X now, which is a right. Yeah, um, Moira ten, yeah. but that's a X or a ten. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Unless she had a Y. So, um, and so, so th- that that point is that that she's functionally reincarnated, mm-hmm. and there is another important conversation in there that she meets up with Destiny and Mystique of, of the duo Mystique and Destiny, right? And Destiny says, "I can't exactly." What about her child? Destiny's child? Did she, was she just creeping in Beyonce? the background? No. <laughs> was Beyonce a queen in that one? Um, so, Destiny wait, says, what? Wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> wait, no, Beyonce wait, wasn't in it. No, no, was Blindfold Destiny's daughter, or was that something they? Whoa, I don't know. That's something we'll have to look I, into I, and I get into. Like one of those weird things, like no, Sabretooth is Wolverine's dad, but uncle, or is it just one of those things? They're like from they the South, Kelsey. We don't, we don't <laughs> bring that up. Um, I don't know. That's something we'd have to look into. That's uh, definitely something I'll look into this week, and I'll let you know at the beginning of next episode. And um, one other point. Um, they did mention, like, if she dies before her mutant um, power activates before 13, she will not come back to life. Exactly. So I wonder if that's going to come into play at some point in time. Maybe. Also. Now, what, what, what we see is her go through all these lives trying to fix, first cure mutants, and then trying to help mutants, and each time we see their paradise fall. She went to Charles the first time. She went to Magneto the second time. Then she goes to Apocalypse. Eventually, she tries to go out and take out all the Trasks. She becomes an assassin. She's shooting them up. But they've realized that Trask is not the only one who discovered the Sentinels. He's just the first one. That it's, well, it's, it's a constant in the timeline. Yeah, AI is inevitable. It's going to happen exactly. in some way, shape, or form. And due to humanity being humanity, they don't create robots to hunt and kill mutants no matter who designs it, it's going to happen. So eventually we see her make her way to the fair, the same fair that we started this episode with, where Charles is having a great time. He's buying some funnel cake. He's stuffing his shorts. Uh, shorts. <laughs> yeah, it's a southern term. <laughs> yeah, there are all the things we don't talk about. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we see her show up, and she says, it's not a dream unless it's real, Charles. Yeah. If it's real. And he looks in her mind, and he sees all the different lives because she has perfect memory of them. And that's what radicalizes him to create this world. So it's all been a long con, according to this timeline. Now, I'd like to draw your attention, dear listeners, uh, to the idea that, that Destiny couldn't see Maury McTaggart in, mm-hmm. in I don't know, streams of fate or whatever it is she looks at. Um, in much the same way that nobody could read the mind of Sila Bell. Uh, couldn't see her. And then we've got... Yeah. Silabel, who functionally doesn't die for a thousand years. Yeah, that's a good look, huh? So oh, I brought that special for you. Oh, man. <laughs> just, um, real quick, just looking at the timeline and how it's broken down by shades. This is a very hue. Um, the hue is peach, and it reminds me of skin tones going from the beige to the black. Maybe this has something to do with the mind of Cerebelle. Maybe they start off very human, then you get to uh, here to the black. To the black brain telepath. Black brain, yeah. You know what? I, I hadn't even caught that. So that's something definitely go through and make sure that you read it. Um, it, it Hickman's run right now on these two series are just fantastic. Um we are running out of time, so we will have TJ back at some point, you know, probably when we go through and uh, recap this run after it's uh, all caught up. 
Uh, so you guys don't have to listen to this podcast until October. Uh, you know, <laughs> we probably won't have TJ back on this podcast and see how ratings do. Uh, TJ, thank you for your time. Anything you want to plug? Um, no, just thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. I love it. Yeah, of course. Uh, also, thank you to Escape Velocity for letting us uh, record in their comic book store. Again, our opinions stated here don't reflect uh, Escape Velocity, the owner, or anything like that. They just uh, they allow us to record here, and we're very thankful for it. Um, so this week at Escape Velocity, we do have the same book of the week that we talked about last time, which is actually two books of the week, House of X number one, Powers of Ten number one. If you come in and you sign up for either or both of them, you get the first two with your discount and the third one free. So come in, talk to one of the employees, myself included, or, you know, don't and miss out. Um, this week we have a couple things we want to plug. One thing I do want to plug is um, the improv. I'm sorry about that. They just came in today before we start um, recording. Um, unsupervised improv. They're going to be performing August 22nd. 7 to 9 p.m. At, at the Carter Payne Theater. Yes. Check them out on Facebook. You can do the Google search as well. Just that's Unsupervised Improv. And that is on August 22nd. You can purchase tickets online. Again, go on Facebook and search for them. Check them out. And uh, if you or anyone else you know has any music and are local and you want your uh, songs featured on the podcast, go ahead and shoot us a message on Facebook or email us at escaping.podcast at gmail.com. We'll be happy to have you on, you know, as long as your music's not like, Hitler murdered the baby and I was there smiling. Anything different than that, and we'll probably have a good chance of putting you on here. It's pretty uh, open after that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, one one of our local artists who we uh, have a song from that we're going to leave you with today is Ryan Reyes. We will have him next week on the show. We will be discussing DC, the, the whole universe, the movies, the TV shows, and Ooh. where they failed us. <laughs> Wait, so we doing the negatives? Oh, you can talk about the positive. Okay, all you I was want. Say, that's a lot of negative. We I'm need ready to talk about swamp things. <laughs> like, like <laughs> so today we leave you with Science Cells by Trinary. Have a great day, folks, and remember there can only be one chum bucket. Yes, sir. And just remember, if you ever feel like you're trapped, try escaping. Thank you.
This is how 